success. What does that word even mean? I have a question for you that I've been trying to answer for myself. Putting aside success in a career or hobbies or personal accomplishments, in your opinion, how could you judge success for yourself as a husband or a father or a son or a daughter, a mother? What does that even mean? That's a question on an email I got today. And I'm going to dive into it because it's an interesting concept. Success is something that is that term is so widely used and yet it's still so mysterious because so many people define that word in so many different ways. Like your boss or your teacher might look at success for you differently or your parent or your grandparent or your kid might look at that differently for you or themselves. And success is defined so many different ways for that individual. So how do you call yourself successful? And people struggle with that. We all struggle at some level with defining our own success. Like, is it because of accomplishments in your career? Is it because you have so many kids? Or is it because you're married for so many years? Or is it because you stayed single? What does success mean? And when you start diving into that subject, you start stripping away everything. It's actually amazing how much we all have in common for the core idea of success. And I love talking about it. I could talk about it on every podcast if I wanted to, because it's something that's worth discussing. What is your success and how do you define that? And how does that make you different from anyone else or the same? I got my good buddy, Bernie. We're going to talk about this and many other questions that we are asked. If you have anything for me at all, anything you want me to talk about, could be music related or touring or life or struggle or happiness, anything, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com and we'll dive into it one of these Mondays. Welcome to this podcast. This is episode 71. business associate partner sidekick today it comes from the corporate world of yeah. old, old navy <laughs> yeah let's go with sidekick i'll be i'll be you the like sidekick that? when we first met i forgot to say this like meeting granger for the first time is kind of like i feel like it's when robin met batman automatically he knows like okay I'm going to be the sidekick in this in, the, in this role. Come on. It's like, well, I was going to be the funny one, and you'd be the good-looking one, but then you're pretty funny, too, so it's like, well, 
I'll just be the sidekick. I'll be the Robin Stop to your Batman. Stop all that, man. Stop it. Uh, it's true. Y'all know it's true. You, you, That's I why said, you're here. I said all that. Batman. You, you missed the actual joke of the whole thing. You come from the corporate world of Old Navy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, I met, when I met Bernie uh, a long time ago, he was working at Old Navy. And a couple of times I would come and see you. And you had that headset on. Remember that? <laughs> Like all the old Navy people have to wear headsets. Yeah, well, they don't anymore. They got these like they could just wear like these walkie-talkies or something. But yeah, we had to wear the headset, and they got so mad. Like, put your headset on. What was the purpose of that? I have always no know what you're doing. idea. It's not that big of a store. Yeah, I don't know it. Um, yeah, I have no idea. We should write them and ask. I guess. So they, the old Navy employees, are in constant communication with each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I guarantee you, 90% of that is not work-related. Oh, really? <laughs> it's about customers that are in the store. <laughs> like, man, stay away from that lady. She's crazy. Or, yeah, or, you know, whatever. Okay. So comment if anyone's ever worked at Old Navy. I'm curious why they use headsets. Um, that's an interesting business model that they... Or why it, they've gone... I think they've gone away from them, though. Okay. So if you have any intel into why Old Navy lost the headsets, as a former... You know, like old alumni. <laughs> How many years did you work at Old Navy? We'll see. It was a good job. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it was great. I met a lot of great people there. Paid the bills while I was just drifting, trying to figure out life, guys. You know what you're doing, right? Um, I was probably there for two and a half years. Yeah. Do you still yeah. fold clothes and think about it at yes, home? Absolutely, you do? dude. Uh, Leslie can attest to this. Like Sunday nights, she takes the 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 routine with the kids. Like I give baths and 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 do the bedtime routine uh, every night except Sunday night because that's when we do laundry. And so I walk into our den and there's just like a mound of clothes, and I'm like, let's do this. About to bust out my old navy chops. And so I'll just sit there and fold clothes. And the <laughs> and the awesome. thing is, is nobody appreciates it. But it's not even about, right. like the kids will take their stack and just like throw it into the uh, That's what my kids do. But um, it uh, it does remind me of, of those days. And, you know, just like if you're going to fold some clothes, just do it well, you know. Mm-hmm. The littler it's the kids therapy. are, the harder it is to fold. It's like yeah. the shirt is so little, it doesn't fold in any direction. That's true. Some things are really tough to fold. <laughs> But Comment below, old Navy alumni. I'm interested to know. Let me pull out the uh, the old and questions. And please don't here. like unsubscribe from this podcast because I, uh, you know, am championing all of you old Navy people out there. Why would anyone think badly of old Navy for any reason? I don't know. That's like a maybe old it's American just the brand. ones that work there are like okay, yeah, I'm with you. Everyone has bought something in Old Navy, no yeah. matter what your style is or your background or your what. We everyone has bought something from there. Yep, it's Absolutely. got something for everybody. That's right. It's a good brand. It's a good American brand. <laughs> the, the people outside of the country are like, I've never been there. <laughs> old Navy, that sounds stupid. All right, first it's an American <laughs> brand. <laughs> Not as American as American Eagle. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Mall brands. We've, we've digressed. Okay, let's get to the... First question comes from Taylor, and it says, If you get this email, I want to thank you for reading it if you decide to answer it. I really look forward to hearing your opinions and your advice. My name is Taylor. I'll be 22 years old on November 12th. 
that already happened. So you are now 22, Taylor. Uh, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm a technician at a dealership, and your podcast gave me such inspiration and to keep working as hard as I can, I have to ask a couple things. First and foremost, I've been playing music since I was in fifth grade. I've always been in love with music. It's such a great escape from the world, and it's such a great way to connect with people all over the world. I've been wanting to start a band for a long time, and I'm curious what you would recommend to get started. I'm a drummer, I play guitar, and I would love to get something going. My second question is simple. Do you like coming to Baton Rouge? If so, what's your favorite part? Yee yee. Thank you, Taylor. I'll start with the last question. Man, um, what's my favorite part of Baton Rouge? The food. I love Cajun food. So, yeah. I, I, I love traveling so much because of the food in so many different places, you know? Like, I love to get whatever that that local cuisine is in that region or country or state or city everybody's known for something and everyone has even if it's just like a a local place that has amazing burgers i love to do that kind of stuff so yeah baton rouge cajun food love it shout out to louisiana and thank you for the question taylor Uh, bernie and i on the last podcast kind of had a similar question but it was backwards it was a drummer trying to be part of a band and you are a singer trying to get a band and it's a little bit different of an answer than a musician trying to find a singer. It's a little bit, a little bit different. Um, I, as I said, I mentioned on the last podcast, I started my first band by putting an ad out in the school paper that said country singer looking for country band, serious gigs in line. And I lied about the gigs. I didn't have any gigs in line, but I did get, uh, one reply, just one in the entire Texas A&M system, one piano player that became a longtime friend and actually moved to Nashville with me at some point. He gave it a shot for like five months and introduced me to um, other musicians. So it actually worked. That word, an ad in the paper worked. Uh, so today's age, you wouldn't do that. You would instead probably post on Facebook and just say, I'm looking for musicians and man, aim low at first, aim low because your first band doesn't, they don't have to be complete rock stars in any way. They don't have to look like rock stars. They don't have to play like rock stars. They just need to be good people. You want to hang around. If they're good people, you want to hang around them. You're going to want to practice more. If you want to practice more, you're going to get better. You don't want to look at it and go, I don't want to get around those guys tonight. Um, so put it out there, put it out in the world, put it out on social media, uh, say you're looking for a band and it usually just needs to start with one person. One person comes in and goes, I play bass. You go, cool. Come over, come to the garage. And inevitably that bass player will know a cousin or somebody that plays something else. You know, my cousin plays keyboard or drums or whatever. Invite them over, aim low, start that network. Um, from the center and work outward, right? Yeah, I think you nailed it. Uh, I'll just say one thing that uh, Grizz actually told me. Um, I hadn't um, done, I hadn't had a songwriting appointment in like forever. And a buddy of mine said, hey, let's, you know, let's get together, write some songs. I was like, okay. Um, so I called Grizz. I was like, dude, I haven't done this in a long time. What do I expect? You know, like what, what do I need to do? And 
And I remember you said, when you can keep the level of your gratitude above the level of your expectation, magic will happen. And I remember leaving that appointment just feeling like, man, we wrote probably one of the worst songs ever written, but I had a blast and like he did too. And it was just like, yeah, let's do it again. And there was just something about the experience of it that I think can help, you know, kind of propel to another appointment and like, oh, I'm going to write with that person now. And so, yeah, I think that advice was really sound. Like he's saying the same, you know, kind of thing, you know, shoot low, but keep your gratitude high, expectation low, and you'll, you'll really enjoy it and see what happens. Just put, put yourself out there. There's what's crazy is there's a bunch of musicians out there right now looking for you and they don't know that they're looking for you and you don't know you're looking for them. Um, but one day it'll happen and you'll be in a garage one day and the music will sound terrible, but it will be so fun. Mm -hmm. That's how it starts, man. And, uh, we've, everybody that's been a musician at some point remembers those, those first days of making music with another human in the room. So I got a follow-up question for you yeah. off of his question. Yeah. So he has now opened himself up like, hey, you play bass and you play drums and yeah, they get yeah. together, right? And this drummer is awesome. It's like he's he's there. The the piano player is like, okay, he's okay. The bass player is just like, oh man, I don't know if he has played this instrument before or just like borrowed it. It happens. How how do you go through the process of like communicating, like want to find another bass player or do you, do you have to set that expectation from the beginning? How do you navigate like getting the right people together, skill and, you know, kind of chemistry? I hope nobody is listening that used to play with me back in the day, (laughs) but, but yeah, that, that happens, man. Um, and it's, it's going to happen, you know, one day to Taylor, you, you're going to have that bass player or whoever that's terrible. And always happened to me. And I don't ever, I, I know a couple times it was a little awkward, but I don't ever remember it being a situation where that person didn't know it was coming already. Right. <laughs> like if it, if that, if like you're saying the drummer's great and the bass player's terrible, he's just going to know, man, I can't keep up. Mm. And what's cool is a, a lot of times you could still, t- if he's a good guy, the bass player, you could just say, man, I found this guy and he's, he's, he has a lot of experience at bass and I want to bring him on to show you some things and to jam with us. But I also, I don't want you to quit on me. So we also need somebody to sell t-shirts or to be the tour manager, or, you know, you could keep them on the team. So they still feel like they're not just getting replaced and fired, Right. but they're going to know. Yeah. Like, I can't, a musician knows I, when he's not in a circle, he can keep up with. Yeah. So it's not, it's not right. ever easy, but that's, that's inevitable. All right, here we go. New question. It says, Hey Granger, this is Kyle from Washington. Shout out to Washington state. It says my wife and I had an opportunity to meet you at a show in Idaho back in December, uh, before the pandemic started. And when we met, you asked me what I did for a living. And I said, I'm a youth pastor, which is still true today. I wanted to say how thankful I am for you and the example you're setting, living your life out in faith so boldly without hesitation. I wanted to ask you a simple but genuinely curious question. Who is your favorite Bible character that you admire or relate to and why? 
I love asking people this question to hear a little bit about their story and why they chose to relate to a certain person in the Bible over another. Thank you, Kyle, junior high pastor for True Life Youth. That's it, uh, Bethany Christian Academy. What's up, Kyle? Thanks for writing in, man. Um, yeah, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad we got to meet in Idaho, and then that you still listen to me to to today. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, question came back in October, so a little little late. All these questions you could ask anything you want. You email GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. I'm probably not going to answer it on the next episode that from when you emailed it. Like like this question from Kyle, we're a few months out, so I hope you guys could have patience and um, keep listening, knowing that maybe one day I'm going to answer it. So uh, ask anything you want. Bernie, I'll start with you. Who's your favorite Bible character? He says that either you admire or you relate to the most and why. Mm. Um, I I guess every answer is a Sunday school answer, right? So, <laughs> Which is interesting because you don't have to be a Christian to be able to answer this question because sure. most people, regardless of your background or religion sure. or, or atheism or whatever, yeah. know characters of the Bible, and yeah. there's somebody that you could relate to. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a couple that kind of jump out to me. I'll, I'll go with my uh, – can I have a top two? Yeah. Okay. Of course, um, of course. The first one I think is probably the father of the prodigal son. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that there's something about like um, trying to like communicate to our kids what that love is like. Um, so explain a little bit of the prodigal son story. Okay. It's a short one. Easy. So, um, you know, young man goes to his dad. Hey, I want my inheritance. I don't need you anymore. I'm going to go live my life. Takes the his dad first. His dad says, "Okay, son, here you go." Yeah. Which that's a tough one for me to swallow. I'd be like, "I'm not giving that to you. You're just going to like, rah, rah, rah. you're going to go, you know, give it all away or party mm-hmm. it away, whatever." So that's what the kid does. He goes and he, you know, you know, spends all of his money on parties and you know, drinking whatever. Uh, ends up working with animals and eating pig slop. And he has this moment where he's like, what am I doing? You know, my father is rich and maybe he'll give me a job to just work, whatever. So he runs back and the father had spent day after day, just like looking out down the road, just praying and hoping that his son would come home. And, you know, the Bible says when he was still a long way off, his dad jumped up and ran towards him. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's something just pretty, uh, special about that relationship and what it says kind of about what we can feel for our kids, but also like how I, I can, how I imagine God feels about us. And he's trying to tell us like, Hey, it's okay. You, you want to go just do your own thing. Okay. And eventually we're going to come back and be like, Dad, I'm so sorry. Can I just like work for you? He's like, work for me? No, we're going to throw a party because you're here and yeah. you weren't here. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that would be the uh, first one that came to mind. And then the second would be Job, only because I think to live is to suffer in some way and to mm. struggle. And I think that Job, you know, like in all of that, he did not sin against God. He He did not curse him. He did not... 
Um, he just, he, he stayed faithful, which I just cannot even imagine. Um, and so I think that testimony to me is like the things that we go through and the, and the struggles that we have is, is like this, um, this comforting hope of this, you know, biblical character that saw far more than I think, you know, we could imagine. I could definitely relate to Job too. And the, it's the oldest book that I learned this from Billy Graham, but the book of Job is the old, the story of Job is the oldest written story in human history. Wow. It's the oldest piece of literature that we could trace back to a human writing, which is interesting because it's all about suffering. And, um, what's wild to me, it's a little bit of a tangent from Kyle's question, but what's wild about that story is that, you know, that the Bible says God is, is today and always was. He's the same as he always was and he always will be. And that story, Satan is with God. Mm-hmm. He says, you got this guy, Job, he's pretty good, huh? You think he's good? And God's like, yeah, he's, he's one of the best. He goes, I bet you if I start messing with him a little bit, mm-hmm. he won't be as good as you think. Could I do it? God says, yeah, you could mess with him. So do you realize what I just said? There's a wild story that God and Satan are talking. Satan doesn't mess with Job until he gets permission. So it's interesting to think that's the oldest story in written history. It's interesting to think that that, that could I say could, but it probably does still happen today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Satan doesn't get to do anything without permission. Right. He doesn't have the authority. Yeah. Some people have a big problem with that. Yeah. They're like, no, Satan acts on his own power. He's he's a complete rebellion. He's a, he's his own. It's like, no, God's still in control of mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. No, I don't believe in that kind of God that, that lets him do, that would give him permission to do something terrible. Mm-hmm. It's just what it says. Yeah. A lot of times with this stuff, it's not what I feel in my heart. It's what it says. Right. Yep. Way off on a tangent. But this question is hard for me, Kyle, because it's hard for me to compare myself or relate to anyone in the Bible without sounding arrogant in some way. Like, oh, you're sure? Yeah, yeah you're going to be like him? <laughs> Please, with that being said, don't take it the wrong way when I say I could relate a lot of times to Peter. Mm-hmm. It's like the dude. Well, here's the thing. Most of the Bible characters, though, they were like, you know. They messed up a lot. Yeah, they messed yeah. up a lot. Yeah, and I just, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of like the first pope. Yeah, the, yeah. The Peter, the first pope of the church, right, the right, rock, right. you know. Not that Peter. I'm talking about the fisherman that was always a little bit on edge. You know, when, when the Roman soldiers came to get Jesus, mm-hmm. he just cuts the guy's ear off, you know, like, come on, man. Like, gets his, yeah. I can imagine Peter's like in the garden getting a sword and be like, get out of here, man, whack. <laughs> just whacks the guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, Peter, chill out. Yeah. Which he, he, he probably he told him kinda, many times. He kind of has that tone with Peter a lot. Like, dude, yeah. chill. Would you chill out for a second? <laughs> like, this is supposed to happen. Let me deal with this. Yeah. In fact, he says, you know, Satan, get behind me. He like like Satan is is affecting Peter's ability to control himself sometimes. So yeah, yeah, I feel I feel that and and 
I feel that side of Peter, and I also feel the side where where Jesus says, follow me, and Peter just drops everything, leaves everything, leaves the boat, leaves the fishing nets, leaves everything, and just goes, yep, here we go. I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm dropping everything. I love that. I can't say that I've done it to that extent in my life, but I want to. (laughs) I want to do that, and I want to be that. I want to be that more than I am. The 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 ability to not to, to not be perfect and not not be so righteous and, and high and mighty, but at the same time, total reverence. Um, which, in a lot of ways, I could say that about about David as well. Who I could I could definitely relate to David because of you know musician mm-hmm. makes a lot of mistakes, but always gives God the glory, mm-hmm. and he fears God. Mm-hmm. So, interesting question. I haven't yeah. gotten a question like this on the podcast. Probably won't anymore. But um, uh, I think we kind of think we kind of hit on it. So, yeah, Kyle, one day I'll meet you and hear your answer to all this stuff. And that was kind of the light coating. That's a deep conversation that could take hours. But that was kind of the uh, the frosting of it. Um, let's see if we can get. We got about ten minutes. Let's see if we can get one more before we take a break. And it says, hey, Granger, this is Eric from Wake Forest, North Carolina. Shout out to NC. It says, I'm coming to you as a child of God, father of two incredible kids, and husband to a loving woman. I have a question for you that I've been trying to answer for myself. Putting aside success in a career or hobbies or personal accomplishments, in your opinion, how can you judge your success as a husband and father? I know my goal is to raise up confident, independent, responsible, caring, and loving kids to grow old with my wife, uh, always being honest and never losing sight of her, my love for her. But how could I know that I've accomplished that? Thanks, brother. Eric. So my goal is to raise up confident, independent, responsible, caring, and loving kids, and to grow old with my wife, always being honest and never losing sight of my love for her. How can I know that I've accomplished that? I don't think you will till you're old, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking up a poem for you. Love it so much, this poem. I've probably read it on this podcast at some point. I can't remember. But it's by Ralph Waldo Emerson. It's so interesting, this poem. I found it because, in such an interesting way, but I found it when my dad died. We were going through all his stuff. And, you know, like his desk drawer and closet. And we're going through a bunch of paperwork and we're trying to find anything that was important and throw out anything that wasn't. And we found this poem written by Ralph Waldo Emerson, handwritten by my dad on a an eight by ten piece of paper, just in a folder. None of us knew why he wrote it. None of us knew where it came from. And that was the thing about my dad. It was like at some point he felt the need to take out a pen and a piece, fresh piece of paper and write it by hand. Maybe we'd like to think that because it meant so much to him, 
or maybe because he wanted to live like that. But the interesting thing is he didn't say anything to any of us about it. Mm. The poem says, success. To laugh often and much. To win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children. To earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends. To appreciate beauty. To find the beauty in others. To leave the world a bit better whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to know that one life has breathed easier because you lived here, this is to have succeeded. So good. That's great, man. And you don't see anything in here about a lot of money in your bank account. No. or <laughs> Yeah. And so... That that kind of success, Eric, is is about the journey, not the destination. It's not about knowing if you accomplish that. Because I found that note, you know, tucked in my dad's stuff after he was dead, and was like, "Yeah, he did it. He did. He did this." Mm-hmm. But he didn't know that, right? You, you know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. like it was past his time so you can't you're never going to sit back and go ha boom did it yeah i did the success thing i succeeded as a husband and father it's an ongoing journey you're going to continue to unpack this and continue to live this every day so once again i've said this many times but the fact that you're even asking it means you're on the path man you're doing great you're doing great. You say, my goal is to raise up confident, independent, responsible, caring, loving kids, to grow old with my wife, always being honest, never losing sight of my love for her. Boom. You do just do that. <laughs> that's your goal. Do that. And that's not, it's not a victory every moment. You're going to feel like a failure. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're not, you know, you're, you're not caring enough for your kids or you're, you're not being... You're losing sight of your love for your wife occasionally. You might feel that. And then you correct yourself and you straighten your boat up again and then you keep sailing. And that journey is the, you're playing the the long game, you know, you're playing the game of averages here. Nobody's perfect. You're going to, you're going to have tons of failures, but you're going to win more than you fail with that kind of goal and mentality. So... Yeah, I think you're I think you're doing good, brother. Yep, right on. Quick break, we'll be right back. I'm grateful that this podcast is brought to you by features. You know, changing your socks can make a huge difference in your daily walks or hitting the links or whatever you do. For me, I'm a stage guy. My feet matter when I'm on the stage. I can't explain why, but I I have fallen off the stage a couple times. That probably has something to do with it. Knowing that I'm comfortable in my feet, I know that sounds weird. When I'm on the stage, if my feet are comfortable, I feel like I have good footing, I feel relaxed, 
I'm going to have a better performance. Now, I'm not a huge golfer, but I could probably see that most golfers that use features have better performance because of their feet as well. Features is a very unique sock, and runners worldwide have made features their sock of choice. And now you can get the same benefits, specially tailored for the golf course. Their elite golf socks helps keep feet cool, dry, blister-free while providing a custom-like fit that won't bunch up or slip during your backswing. That sounds like it would be terrible to have a bunchy, a bunched-up sock in any situation. I can't stand that. Socks have come so far, too. It features really leads the, the way when it comes to that kind of stuff. It has an engineered, targeted compression, anatomical design, and moisture-wicking material for unsurpassed performance. I used to just go get socks off the shelf at whatever store. It didn't really matter to me. And I started, I started talking about features on this podcast and they sent me some, they sent me several different kinds the the, the like mid socks, the ankle socks. And because they were sending them to me, I just started wearing them all the time. And it wasn't until I started wearing them when I was like, these socks are awesome. <laughs> so now that's pretty much all I wear. It, it, targets, it targets compression and hugs the arch of your foot, keeping your sock in place and preventing it from bunching up or slipping, sliding down into your shoe. And it helps your game, whatever you do. If, if it's uh, working out at the gym, which I use it every time I work out, it helps you play harder, faster, and stronger. They also have a lifetime guarantee, which is rare these days and really awesome. Features are so, so durable and long-lasting that you're, if you're ever unsatisfied at any point, they'll give you a replacement pair no questions asked. That's pretty awesome. And it's a family-run business, so it's easy to see how that could happen. Feature socks will change how you feel about socks forever. For listeners of the Granger Smith podcast, you could receive $10 off your first pair of features when you go to features.com forward slash Granger. That's F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S dot com slash Granger for $10 off your first pair of features. This podcast is also brought to you by Ritual. We all deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something that we take every single day. Ritual is clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients and bioavailable forms for your body that you could actually use. What you won't find is sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, and artificial colorants. Plus, the fresh taste and delayed release capsule design makes taking the vitamins super easy and easy to tolerate, which is you can't say the same for every other vitamin. I, I've got, I have a pretty sensitive stomach when it comes to vitamins, and I'm known for taking a multivitamin on an empty stomach in the morning and then ended up getting super queasy. That doesn't happen at all with ritual. And if, if that's like the first test for me, if it's easy on my stomach and all the ingredients are super clean, it's not going to make me feel queasy. Okay. Now I'm listening, right? A multivitamin should contain key nutrients and forms that your body could actually use to help fill the gaps in your diet. No, no shady extras. Ritual's delayed release capsule design delivers high quality nutrients, including vitamin D3 and just two daily pills. You'll always know what nutrients you're taking and where they're coming from. And thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind supp visible supply chain, you're going to get that. Now available for women, men, and teens, Ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages. And that's really important. Your multivitamins are delivered to your door every single month with free shipping, always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription at any time. If you don't love Ritual within your first month, they'll just refund your first order. 
boom, no questions asked. It can't be any simpler. And, and that's great for me. I don't want to have to deal with, you know, going and going to the store or going and checking out. If it just comes to my door, boom, that's easy. The key nutrients without all the BS Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash Granger to start your ritual today. If you have a question, email GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. And these come in. They come in random. I, I try to sort them a little bit. And I'm, I'm giving you guys a little bit of a warning because I think just looking at these subject lines, I think the ones that I'm going to finish here with today are a little deep and a little spiritual. So, um, I hope that everyone stays with me on this and I'm just, I'm answering as they come. Okay. I'm not, I'm not trying to pigeonhole this podcast in in, in any way besides the fact that I want to be able to answer your questions. It could be, how do I become a drummer? It could be, how do I find God? I'm going to answer them as they come. Um, and sometimes I see comments that think that this podcast is is kind of pigeonholing itself in a certain way. And it's not. I'm just answering as they come. If you hear If you hear a lot of questions about career, it's not because I'm picking them that way. It's because there's a lot of people like, thinking yeah. about their career. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people. So if you think I'm, I'm only finding the ones about faith, no, that's just a lot of people are really uh, questioning faith. Yeah. So with that being said, the first question, the uh, first question of this segment, subject line is walk in faith. It says, howdy, Granger. My name is Timothy, which is another awesome character that mm-hmm. we don't know much about in the Bible besides Paul writing to him, but strong name, Timothy. I live in a small town in Pulaski, Virginia. Long story short, I grew up on a farm, joined the Marine Corps, looking for a better life and a better opportunity. After eight years of service, I moved back and started a new life with a family. Grew up going to church. I've fallen away from Christ, but have now reestablished myself in my faith and wanting to grow it as well. So my question is, parentheses, sorry it's long. I'm thinking of my children as my parents do. How could I help lead them to Christ and help them live for God? Any advice would be helpful. I love you and Amber on the podcast. I watch them on YouTube. Shout out to uh, YouTube watchers on this podcast. My oldest son, Zane, agrees when I say your music is great. And if you ever are uh, around us in August, we'll be sure to come to your show. God bless and keep up the good work. So your question is, How could I lead them to Christ and help them live for God? Any advice would be helpful. Some missing pieces in this question. In this, there's some missing stuff in here. Um, and as always, I always like to say this is like we're sitting in the we're sitting around a campfire, and this these kind of questions come up, and we're going to answer them like we're sitting around a campfire with with our buddies. So, Bernie's a great, he's a great person to have on this with me. I would say, I would start, Timothy, if you're asking, 
how can I help lead them to Christ and help them live for God? The number one place to start is you living that in front of them. Because you could only say so much. You could you could send them to school, you know, you could you could put them on a YouTube channel that they should be watching or give them a book. But man, number one and way above number two is you live that life for them to watch you because they're watching you right now. Mm-hmm. Live it, man. Live it and and through that example, that's the best teacher you could be to your family. If you can't live up to what you're trying to preach here, then no one's going to be attracted to that lifestyle that you're trying to pitch to them. So it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. We've all seen that. We've all seen some crazy preacher on TV and been like, I don't want to be that guy. So I don't want to listen to anything he's saying or whatever he snake oil he's selling. I don't want it. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think Grizz, you know, hit the nail on the head. It, it really starts with you. Um, so, so the options here are, um, you know, point your kids, you know, to, to know Jesus, um, lead your kids away or, or to the world, right? Um, we know that, you know, Jesus is hidden inside God's word. You know, he is the word. It was there in the beginning. If, you know, the question really is like, how, uh, how much time do we really spend in God's word? How, how much are we letting it really saturate the, the small moments of our lives and become the reactions that, uh, that come out? Because much like, you know, a lot of, you know, TV shows or different podcasts you could listen to, like whatever you're putting in is going to come out naturally. Um, so the more, I I just feel like the more time that, you know, that we are spending, you know, in stillness and quiet and solitude, just letting that kind of, you know, soak into us, then it's going to naturally come out, which is what your kids are watching. They, you know, they're going to pick up on if something's just kind of forced, uh, from you and they're going to pick up on like, no, that's, that's just what dad did. He, you know, you know, my dad, he. He just sat in his chair and sang old hymns. Like, that's just what he did. <laughs> um, though, you know, these little things start to show your kids, you know, where your heart, where your treasure lies. And so, um, and like just <laughs> above everything, no, you're not alone. This is, man, my wife and I talk about it. Grizz and I talk about it. Man, this is such a, a difficult thing. Um, we value these relationships so much and we want to like make sure that we're pointing them towards life. Mm. that's meaningful and eternal. And so because we care about it so much, there's almost can be this like over analysis of, are we doing it right? Are we? Yeah. Um, so I, I think one, just taking away the burden of like, um, the Holy spirit is going to meet your kids and we can't yeah. dictate when that happens. If it happens again, going back to, you can only control what you can control. Um, you know, God has written the rest and we just have to trust in him that, um, you know, if we abide in him and that his word starts to come out, our kids are just going to like, uh, be drawn to him, um, which, uh, 
which yeah, man, is it? It's a constant daily battle. We're all in it, um, and so know that you're not alone. But it's it's worth the fight for sure. What good time to do this, Timothy? Too, of an opportunity is your nighttime prayers, and could also be meal mealtime prayers too. But a nighttime prayer for me is really important because when I lay down to pray with Lincoln or London. I try not to ever let it become a repetitive, um, repeated prayer from a book. I try to make it different every night, which is a challenge. And I try to make it creative in a way relative to the, our current lives. And I try to let it be in a language that they could easily digest. So... For instance, I'll lay down with, you know, say Lincoln and, you know, every night we say prayer and I'll just say, I try to be just as plain languaged as I can. God, thank you for this little boy. Let him to go to grow strong and smart and love you above all else. And if he's ever scared to talk to you, he say, if, if he's ever happy to thank you, you know, and, and just putting these little things in his brain, you know, that we're, he just feels that relationship where I'm kind of saying, <laughs> I'm kind of saying the words that he could think if that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but and yeah. to me, that's a good opportunity because he's laying there, his eyes are closed and I'm right in his ear as yeah. opposed to, you know, he's at, he's with us at the farm now. I just run around with his sister. So it's hard to, like, get him focused. And that's a good time for them to focus. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, making it, um, like you were saying, just uh, different every time yeah. and, and, and yeah. personal uh, takes away the ritual right. part of it, which right. there's a whole culture of uh, people that believe closeness to God and, and and relationship with God is all about ritual. It's not the heart behind what you're doing. It's just doing the thing. Yeah. Um, and I think what you're doing separates that and say it, it, it kind of makes it like, no, we're, you know, we're doing this because if you were doing it just to check it off the box, it would be the same thing every night and just yeah. say, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Lincoln would pick up on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's awesome, man. Good question, Timothy. Really good. And it's, uh, it's awesome that you're thinking about that. And thank you for your service. Shout out to uh, Marine Corps, too. And Virginia. All right, this question comes from Eric. It says, hey, my name is Eric. I'm from Covington, Louisiana. And he says, I like when your good friend, what, how you and your good friend Bernie think. He said, I need a friend like him. <laughs> I promise I didn't find this email before you came. That's awesome. Um, I love your new album. I'm a big fan of your music and watching your podcast and Smith videos. My question is, how would you know if God is trying to give you a blessing? Once again, a spiritual question. Um, so my wife's dad inherited his family's land in a small town called Blonde. And it's a big property with four houses on it. And he's trying to offer us one of the houses on the property, but it's the smallest house on the property. And it also needs the most work. And I really, I don't make the best money at my work. 
So I want to take the offer because we live in a two bedroom, one bathroom apartment with a large dog and two cats. If you were in my shoes, would you take this offer? Let me read again. Yeah, it's kind of I have like to shark soak tank. it. I have to soak it in. Yeah, yeah. Shark Tank. <laughs> Would you take the offer for that reason? I'm <laughs> All right. It says, um, "How do you know if God is trying to give you a blessing?" My wife's dad inherited his family's land in a small town. It's a big property with four houses. He's trying to offer us one of the houses on the property, but it's the smallest house, and it's the house that needs the most work. I really don't make the best money at work. I want to take the offer because we live in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment with a large dog and two cats. If you were in my shoes, would you take the offer? I'm trying to find the negative in yeah, this. That's so, what I'm thinking. Yeah, so here, here's a, a perfect example. Uh, this actually, rec- not exactly the same, but recently happened. Um, I was out you know, on a walk around my office, and I walked by this house that was in the, the area that um, our office was currently that we were leasing and we knew that we wanted to buy a place and I walked past all these houses are real nice and then we found one that was like it was kind of overgrown needed a lot of work and um, I just uh, kind of felt like I feel like I need to like talk to somebody about this see what happens so um, first, first of all don't underestimate just walking with God Go for walks, be still and quiet, and just try to listen. Just try to listen. Uh, that nudge will lead you a lot of really fun, exciting places. So I, I walk around the back, and there's a kid outside that's raking the leaves. And so I said, hey, do you own this house? And he said, my mom does. I should have known. <laughs> do you own this house? Uh, <laughs> so mom comes out um, and said, hey, I was just curious if you're interested in selling. She said, well, well, maybe, um, let me get your phone number and we can talk about it. Um, all that to say that lands me then in this situation, like you're in, okay, I have this opportunity. Um, the price that she came back with was more than I felt like it was worth or that I was comfortable paying for it. So that would be the first question with this house. Like, is it, is, does it make you uncomfortable? Do you know, listen to your gut. It probably has the answer for you. Um, but if it if it does, I think go. So so what I did is I went back to her and I said, "Hey, I would really love to have this property, um, and kind of continue its legacy here. We're not going to tear it down and do whatever, like restore it. Um, but uh, honestly, this is kind of the budget that we're looking at. Um, and and I said, if that you know somehow you know may work for you, just let me know." Um, and uh, she called me back and said, yeah, actually that, um, I think if, if you could kind of do this, I think we may be able to make something work. Um, so point of the story is uh, if you communicate with your dad or, or your yeah, wh- whoever. Uh, my wife's dad. Okay. Father-in-law. Yeah. So you communicate with the father-in-law and just show him like, hey, this is this is really what we can afford. I want to be responsible for and a good steward of what I've been given. Um, and if, and, and don't be emotionally tied to it. I was ready to walk away from that house and be like, you know, it just, it wasn't it. Um, you, you have, um, the, 
unlimited resources if God wants you to have that place. He's going he's gonna to move in the hearts of the people that are, you know, behind the scenes of it and say, you know what, I, th- I think we could make this work and we could give it to him for this. Or, you know, whatever that may be, um, I, I, I just, I, I think that putting it out there and communicating with your father-in-law where you sit with it and and make sure that it's a win on both sides. Like, because I also went to this lady and said, look, I don't want to lowball you. I don't want to yeah. like take, yeah. I don't want to take from you. I want this to be a win for you and a win for me. And if it's not a win on both sides, then don't get emotionally attached. There will be something else that comes up and walk away. Props to the dad too, like trying to get his daughter to live close to him. <laughs> That's going to be me one day. Yeah. Like, uh, Hey boy, I'm going to offer you a, a house so that London could live close to me again. Um, that is another variable in the question. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> so how's your relationship with them? Um, yeah. Here's the thing. You're not, dude, you're not going to be married to the house. If it's not good, you'll leave. It sounds like it's a pretty good, decent opportunity because you're not, it's not like you're giving up a lot to do it. You're giving up a, a two bedroom, one bath apartment that you already feel too crowded in with these, with your animals and your wife. So you're not giving up a lot. You're going to go into the house. If, if it doesn't work out, if it makes your life terrible, just leave and patch things up with the in-laws and go back to the two bedroom apartment. It doesn't feel like it's, I don't feel like there's too much negative in this, um, in this question. There's, this is an easy, this is an easy commitment that you could easily get out of. Um, Unless, unless there's something I don't know in here where this, this is all the way across the, the country on the other side of the, you're in Louisiana and this is in Maine or something. Um, but you didn't say that sounds like it's in the same area. You're not giving up much, give it a shot. And I, because you, you have a job that doesn't make that much money doesn't mean you can't work on this property slowly with your own work, you know, your own two hands and, uh, and, and make this better. It's amazing what some yard work could do and cost nothing but a little fuel, sure. a little gasoline. So, and my guess is the father-in-law would probably be willing to like, <laughs> that's oh, yeah, true. Hey. Well, that's I'll, that's I'll, true. I'll Get a can of paint, you know, scrape some of that old paint off. It's, it's be yeah. pretty amazing. And you don't have to do anything right now. Even if you want to save money, you could just move in. And, um, there's nothing wrong with living in a little bit of a junker right now with the vision of what it could be. So yeah, dude, I don't think there's anything wrong with going to this house. You say if, if, if I was in your shoes, yeah, sounds like, sounds like I'm going to get those dogs to some land get them, get them out of that apartment. We got, yeah, we, let's do another one. Okay. It says, Hey Granger, my name is Gage. I'm from small town, USA. Montesano, Washington. Montesano. Is that how you say it? Montesano, Washington. Or it could be uh, Montesano. Montesano is probably right. Sorry, man. I'm butchering the town name. (laughs) I'm 21 years old. I'm an automotive mechanic and also a volunteer firefighter and medical responder. I'm currently taking EMT classes. Thank you for your service. Yeah. I love listening to your podcast. I listen to them uh, when I'm driving to and from work. And when I'm driving to the fire station, uh, and when I'm driving to 911 calls, 
listening to your voice helps me stay calm and relaxed, especially when I'm going to 911 medical calls. Um, hearing you talk helps me stay focused, calm, and prepared to do the best that I can. I'm emailing you because I've always been a follower of God and Christ, but I find myself at times putting Christ aside kind of on the back burner and focusing on things instead of when I should be focusing on my Savior. I'm hoping you can give me some advice on how I can, t- can, 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 excuse me, can continue to follow Christ and make, more of, make Him more of the priority. I overall want to become a better Christian. Anything helps. Thanks, man. Yee, yee. Gage. You're human, dude. This is, uh, you're human, and I'm sure Billy Graham ran into the same daily problem. The most important thing is you, you're aware of it, and you want to be better. Um, and that's the most important thing is the, the motivation to want to be better in anything in life, whether it's a job or your relationship with your wife or becoming a father or your relationship with God. So, um, first of all, thank you for your service. Thank you for listening to this podcast and using it um, as a way you know, on a nine one one call is not a place I thought I would. This podcast would exist, but you've y'all's uh, emails have always made it made the podcast in my mind get broader and broader in terms of who's listening and why they're listening and where they're listening. So um, that's that's a cool thing. If I could if I could help you like that success poem, if I could make one life breathe a little bit easier, then that's success. And if you if you're going to a nine one one call and are a little bit calmer. By the time you get to the location, then that's success for me. That's that's a great win for this podcast. Um, Burns, what do you say? He's put he puts puts God on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't? And if you don't, you're just you're not truly admitting it. Yeah. Yeah, I I think just having the <clears throat> the awareness that man, the enemy has so many very desirable and pleasurable tools at his disposal to distract us with. Yeah. Um, and he's not taking days off either Yeah, with throwing them at us. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a struggle. It's, it's tough. I, um, yeah, one thing that comes to mind, man, I'm not really sure why, um, but I'm just going to share it with you. Maybe it, maybe it connects, maybe it doesn't. Um, I'm just going to get kind of practical. Um, I would probably say two and a half, three years ago, um, I started practicing meditation. And I know a lot of people th- hear the word meditation. They're like, voodoo, yeah, you yeah. know, no, no, new agey. And it's like, no, hey, let's just, let's go ahead and take that perception, throw it out the window. Here's what I'm talking about. Um, in order to um, run faster, I do certain stretching and I do certain kind of weight lifting because that enables me to run faster. Um, meditation, when we can, it's doing the same thing, but for our minds. And if you read through the Bible, there's so many verses that are very, very powerful about mindset and where our, you know, a mind focused on the flesh is death. A mind focused on the spirit is life and peace. These are the two things we're talking about here. 
So what I found with meditation is all I'm trying to do is really stretch, exercise my mind and give it the ability to retain things more and to focus more so that whenever it comes time for that race, which is like I go out into the world or I'm, I'm in a sermon or I'm listening to a sermon or I'm listening and I'm trying to like, my mind all of a sudden is not just going a thousand different directions. It's like, yeah. I'm able to like listen yeah. and I'm able to focus. And not only that, when I get in the situation where I need those things I've heard to come out, um, I feel like my mind is just a lot more clear. So this is something very, you know, practical and easy start with three minutes a day and you can get on an app or you can just sit in quiet and just like, just try to follow your breath for as long as you can. And the, and the point is not to like be able to go the three minutes without getting distracted. The point is, is to be able to recognize when you've been distracted and then return back to your breath. Okay. And here's what meditation has taught me about not only following my breath, but also my life, is that my life is trying to pursue the breath of God. And day in and day out, I get distracted. The point is to recognize when I be more aware and recognize when I've been distracted and just come back to that breath. And the more that you do that, the easier it is to recognize and the easier it is just to come back. You you don't start veering miles away like you may feel you are right now. Like, come back and just and, and just start that. You're going to start to see parallels in your mindset and your spiritual life. Your mind, body, and spirit are more connected than I think we know. So um, that would just be a practical thing. I hope it hits with you or maybe somebody else. Um, but I, I think, I that's, think that's awesome, man. And dude, I wasn't asking that question when I was 21 years old. I just wasn't. So yeah, props to you. Um, you're, you're way ahead of me and where I was at that age. So, and you're also, you work in two jobs, auto mechanic and, and volunteer firefighter slash medical responder. Those are some stressful jobs you're working because yeah, and and it might be overlooked that auto mechanic could be stressful, but dude, I know how it gets when you're in a place and it starts getting backed up, and mm-hmm. Joe Blow wants his vehicle right now, and your boss is wondering why you know why you're not on it, and that that's a stressful thing. People want their vehicles when they're get, when they're getting worked on, they're mm-hmm. they're mad that it costs so much, they're mad that the part is hard to find, mm-hmm. and then they're mad that you you can't do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't imagine that coupled with your, um, your medical responder stuff that you, you got, I think Bernie's probably on something that it's really worth exploring. Cause it sounds like you have a lot of stuff, um, clanking around in your brain during the day. And it, especially when you get home, it's time to shut your brain off for a little bit and not just go to, besides this podcast, you make sure that the podcast is part of your day. Absolutely. But other than that. You probably want to reduce the the screen time a little bit, and that pause, that quiet, is where God is going to have space to come and work in you. And so that's going to take care of itself. He's going to take care of itself. Um, give him that space. Give him that pause, and watch him come in and start working you from the inside out. 
And keep asking that question. If, if you keep asking yourself that question, how could I continue to follow and make that a priority? I want to become better. If you keep asking that, it's, you got it. It's, kind of, it's coming to you. There's no secret answer. There's no, I'm not going to say, start with 15 minutes here and, do, and read this and make sure you journal that. I'm not going to say that. You're just, you, you do you as long as that is, is a focus and a priority for you. Um, you're going to be in a good spot. That's all we got, bro. Hey, good times, man. Again. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. We'll see you guys soon. Yee yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee yee.